Today I want to talk to you about the Eschaton. No, it's not a prehistoric sea monster that lurks in the bottom of the sea. It's actually a Greek word that means the end of times. And why are we talking about the end of times? Well, because it's Advent, and for some reason, instead of nice, preparing for the birth of the Messiah readings, this year, most of our Advent readings have to do with the end of the world, the eschaton. You may have heard of the word eschatology or that the readings are eschatological. Well, that just means that they have to do with the end of times. And it's kind of depressing hearing about all these bad things that are going to happen. Wars, earthquakes, famine, darkness. People thought that those things were going to happen at the end of times. But wars, earthquakes and famines have been happening since the creation of the world. Well, since the fall of man anyway. So what does it all mean? What does it have to do with the coming of the Messiah? Well, he is coming. Actually, he's already here. But for his kingdom to come, this world has to pass away. So we need to think of heaven, of the world to come, detach ourselves from this life. That's, in a way, what Advent is about. But not in a scary way, but in a longing for the coming of the Messiah kind of way. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And Billy, it's uh, it's already almost the first Sunday of Advent. I guess yes. some people might be listening to the show on Sunday. Yes. yes. Amazing. So you, you may be already at Advent. And uh, people have just had Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to our listeners in the United States. Yeah. That's it. I like the word eschaton. <laughs> eschaton. How, how, do, how do you pronounce it? Eschaton. 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 The eschaton. You have to listen to my commentary. I love that. The eschaton. Yeah, yeah, I love the end of uh, the of end time. of times. Yeah, you, you like I all, no, no, because I always I always times. think about that. Like end of time doesn't mean uh, ends of the human being because it may not be. No, it may not be exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's a good point, Billy. That the end of times doesn't necessarily think that everything's going to be destroyed. Exactly. It just means that it's going to be the beginning of the kingdom to come. So that's why. Advent has to do with those readings. There you go. You yeah. should have done the commentary this <laughs> this uh, this week. Um, anyway, I want to share something with our listeners, and this is a bit of a pet peeve. It has nothing to do with the show. It has nothing to do with the Catholic Church. But maybe, Billy, because you drive, right? Yes. Have you noticed that every night, and there might be some people that are driving, listening to the show right now, because uh, it plays at 10 p.m. Okay. On, the, okay. on, on the Catholic Channel and on the Pacific Coast at 7 p.m. Uh-huh. So it's dark. There are people driving without their lights. Yes. Have you noticed that every yes. night I'm driving home and there are people driving and I think it's because they don't they haven't realized they need that, to turn it on. that they need to turn their lights on. They yeah. think that it's on auto yes. and it's not. So you're driving with your daytime lights on and I always think I wish people on the radio would remind us to turn <laughs> so we're on the radio. So if you're driving just check that you have your full headlight system on. Turn on your lights. Turn on your lights because there's a little it might be not it might be on auto. Or you think that it's on auto, maybe your car doesn't have that function. Anyway, exactly, because um, we don't want you to get into a car accident, of especially when you're listening to this wonderful program, yeah. the Salt and Light Hour. Anyway, um, uh, people can write to us, Billy. Of course, where, where, always. Where do always. they write to us? Write uh, anything. You know, ask me <laughs> questions. You know, you mean where, right? Where? Yes. <laughs> so email. 
Yes, email, radio, uh, radio at SouthernNightTV.org. That's right. And then, of course, and also Facebook. Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Basically, if you go to Google and search for Southern Night Hour, you will find us. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And if you find Billy, write to him before write you me. write to me. Um, this week, we uh, will have Matteo joining us again from Rome. Amazing. Because, as you know, the Pope just finished a trip to Thailand. And, and uh, Japan. Yeah, Japan. You're part of the world. I don't know if he eat uh, sushi. <laughs> we can we'll, we'll ask Matteo see if he yes. knows whether the Pope ate sushi exactly. in Japan I don't know but Thai food is very I actually I do like sushi I love both uh, if it's good sushi anyway so we'll find out what the Pope ate in Asia while he was there yeah. that'll be with Matteo Cioffi very uh, very shortly after our song mm-hmm. um, and then after Matteo Sister Marie Paul is going to be back with us Sister nice. Marie Paul from the Darcy and Paul she's reviewing a film what is it? And it's a film. About I think what? it's about. I don't. It's not a Chinese film, but I think it's a Chinese director, and it's about a Chinese family. So that's all I'm going to say. Sister Marie Paul is going to tell us about this uh, film, and then Billy, you have a question. I have a question. The question is about uh, rosary. I will just say it out loud. Okay, good. Rosary. So good. So hopefully a lot of uh, listeners uh, pray the rosary. Yeah. Maybe you don't even know why you pray the rosary. Maybe you're not even Catholic and you're wondering why Why do Catholics pray the rosary? So I love rosary. Are you going to ask a question about the rosary? Yes. Okay. Now, uh, Billy, in our s- totally uh, shifting gears, because in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking about a topic that's um, a difficult topic. What is it? Um, I love difficult topics. Let me just say, so our guest, Dr. Peter Klepones, was on this program five years ago in 2014 telling us why pornography uh. is an, in his view, it's, a, it's an epidemic, why pornography is an epidemic mm-hmm. and what we need to do or what we can do to begin to heal. So he now has a new book that's called Restoring Trust. It's a couple's guide, so it's for couples to uh, healing a couples, uh, yeah, for for, for couples, like you for mean? married couples, because okay. it's very and it's actually happened to me that I've had uh, couples in my parish okay. come to me and tell me, especially the husband, he's struggling with pornography. It's obviously affecting the marriage. Um, so he's written that this book is not just for healing personally, but it's for healing as a couple, uh, restoring trust, a couple's guide to getting past porn. So he is going to tell us how healing, recovery, and uh, Restoration are possible for anyone struggling with uh, pornography addiction uh, personally, but also in your marriage. So you don't want to miss that. That's going to be in about 25 minutes. If you're not going to be listening to the show in 25 minutes, remember, go to our website. Uh, you can download the show. You can also anywhere else, Billy. Yeah, every, anywhere. You know, iTunes, uh, Android, uh, Play Store, everywhere. You can actually yeah, find Spotify. it. Yeah, Spotify. There you go. So you can subscribe to the show there. And then at the end of the program... At the end of the program, you should be excited about this because I'm, I am. We are reconnecting with, and I hope everybody knows who this person is. Who's that person? John is? Michael Talbot. So John Michael Talbot, I, I hope I don't have to explain who he is. He is definitely the most successful, if you go by album sales, the most successful Catholic artist in the world. Um, John has not been doing music recently, mm-hmm. but he has a new program. I think Billy's going to be interested in this. It's a school of spirituality. Wow. So you might wow. want to go to his school of spirituality. Yeah. That we're very curious. We want to learn about. I so, can learn a lot. So we're very happy to have an excuse to, ha- to have John Michael Talbot uh, in the program today. So that's going to be at the end of the show. Um, again, if you're not going to be around, no excuses. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts or at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. radio. Billy, it's time for... Church for Dummies. No, it's not. <laughs> it's time for a song, your favorite part of the show. I think the Church for Dummies is my favorite. 
Okay. But songs so, too. I songs love songs too. Okay. I love and songs. it's John Michael Talbot, so you can't go wrong with a song by John Michael Talbot. And it's the first Sunday of Advent, so we're going to mm-hmm. actually play an Advent song. So nice. here's John Michael Talbot with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel oh, I love from this. his album, The Birth of Jesus. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and That mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, O Israel, to thee shall come. That was John Michael Talbot with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel from his album, The Birth of Jesus. And we're going to be speaking with John Michael Talbot at the end of the program. And in about five minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, we go to Rome. Here's Matteo Cioffi. Matteo, welcome to the program. Hello, Pedro. Thanks for inviting me. It's always a big pleasure to be here. Yes, I know. It's good. So the Pope just came back from Thailand and Japan. Tell us tell us what's, uh, some of the highlights of that trip. 
Yeah, uh, we can say that it was the 32nd apostolic trip for uh, Pope Francis. Yeah. And uh, after this one, he visited already 51 countries. Wow. That's a big number. Yes. Uh, well, few information just to give the people the contest. Uh, Catholics are 400,000 people in Thailand. Uh-huh. And Thailand was the wow. first uh, country where Pope Francis uh, went uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, last Friday in Bangkok, that's one of the highlights of the, of the trip, uh, Pope Francis spoke during a meeting of religious leaders at the university. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said that the different religious traditions are called not only to heed the voice of the poor in our midst, but also to work together in favor of indigenous people and religious mm-hmm. minorities. Mm-hmm. And uh, here is a link with the recent synod. And that was very interesting because, uh, as I said, there was this connection. Again, the indigenous people and the synod that we cover in October here in Rome. Yes. Uh, after Thailand, where he spent three days, the other three days, he was uh, in, uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the themes of the uh, Japan trip were the interfaith dialogues, defending life, and environment. Yes. Uh, we have to say that the Catholicism is a minority religion in Japan, mm-hmm. like in Thailand, and with Catholics uh, who are less than 500,000 of 127 million Japanese people. So it's a real minority there. And uh, during the three days in Japan, uh, he was uh, in Hiroshima, in Nagasaki, and in Tokyo. Right. But uh, one of the highlights was when he went to visit the Martyrs Monument on Nishizaka Hill in yes. Nagasaki, southwest Japan, where St. Paul Miki and uh, 25 others were crucified in 1597. Yes. That's important because uh, we can see and we can understand the problem of the Catholic people in Japan, sure, mm-hmm. a few centuries ago, but, you know, that's an important thing to underline. Mm-hmm. The other thing was that visiting Japan, for Francis condemned atomic weapons. Yes. And uh, during the high symbolic visit to Nagasaki, one of the two Japanese cities devastated by nuclear strikes during the Second World War, for Francis said nuclear weapons were not the answer for the global security, peace, and stability. And he added an important thing, like a world without nuclear weapons is possible and necessary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we heard these, uh, these sentences, uh, we uh, understood how much he wanted to underline, for sure, in this symbolic place, uh, the, uh, the atomic weapons, yes. which uh, destroyed uh, families, lives, and cities in Japan during the Second World War. Absolutely, yeah, nuclear weapons. Yeah, that, I think that was the one news that made it around the world. Um, Billy, Billy wanted me to ask you if you know if the Pope ate sushi while he was in Japan. I guess that didn't make the news, what he ate. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> but I know for sure that this time he didn't bring within the, the chef. The oh, cook. really? So you do know that. Yeah. Wow. So maybe he did eat Thai and Japanese food. I think like two trips ago, he uh, brought with him uh, uh, the cook, so someone was able to cook something good. Right. 
Right. That's funny. I know he likes to cook himself. Anyway, we're going to leave it there. Thank you, Mateo. Um, you just made me th reminded me that the music video that they made for the theme song for the Japan trip, it's a beautiful video. So I'm going to share that on our webpage so people can find it. Um, but also more information on that uh, trip we can also make available on our website. Thank you, Mateo. Thank you. Mateo Cioffi, our uh, correspondent in Rome. You can watch his program, Vaticano360 at saltandlighttv.org. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul Curley with a film about saying goodbye to a dying grandmother and then Billy Chan with questions about the rosary, so don't go anywhere. Hi everyone, this is Danielle Noonan and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is available as a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. You can search for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast and take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's so good to be back. It's always good to have you on the show. So you have and a I have a yeah? real little gem for us this, okay. this month, um, this time. Uh, but I have a question for you, okay. Deacon Pedro. Do you have a favorite on-screen family? Oh, an on-screen, like film? Yeah, a film, television, you know, a family. Hmm, that's, TV might that's be nice. easier. I can think of a lot of family, like the Von Trapp family and Sound of Music, or um, I don't know why this is popping up in my head, because I won't know if it's a favorite family, and I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but Rachel's Wedding, for some reason, that family stands out, and I think it's because they're going through a lot of difficulties, um, yeah. but they still come together, from what I remember in the film. I, I don't know if I have a favorite if I can say I have a favorite one do you well I you know I, I you kind of stole my thunder there with the Von Trapp family. oh really family. Sorry. yeah I love that family but uh, you know um, the Incredibles is a very cool family oh yeah yeah they're incredible <laughs> they're, really <fun. laughs> they're incredibly good <laughs> this, <laughs> they're incredibly good that was good uh, this film is about family it's called The Farewell okay and it really celebrates uh, family it's a well-crafted understated, moving tribute to family, yeah. to the elderly, to grief, and interculturality. It's, it's, it's okay, so the basic storyline is, is one sentence. It revolves around Billy, a young Chinese-American woman who discovers that her grandmother has advanced lung cancer. But the twist is that, and her grandmother's in China, the twist is that her family back in China have decided not to tell the grandmother that she's seriously ill and instead, and that she's literally dying. Uh -huh. And instead, they decide to stage a family wedding as an excuse for family members to come and visit the grandmother one last time. Yeah. And Billy really struggles with this because she's, she came over to America when she was six and she has some very, some very Western values, whereas the family in China talk about the family bearing the burden that a vulnerable individual so that the vulnerable individual in the family doesn't have to bear it. It's an amazing film and the reason I started out with favorite on-screen family is that this isn't my favorite on-screen family but they're so real. This is such an authentic film. It has laugh out loud moments and cry out loud moments. It's really a very serious drama but it has so much comedy in it too and it feels so real. It really showcases, you know, the comedy of, you know, all these, this huge family trying to help each other keep a family secret, 
um, from the grandmother, who is just mm-hmm. the most delightful character. Hmm. It's also, you know, I think one of the reasons it's so it feels so authentic is that the writer director based this story on her own family experience. Okay. And actually, the tagline of the film is based on an actual lie. <laughs> but but don't let that fool you. The acting and directing are both superb. The script is exquisite. Uh, the dialogue is so realistic, and uh, it it just has some very very strong moments of family. And I think, I mean, you see how flawed this family is. And yet, even though there's no mention, there's no direct reference to the beliefs or practices of Christianity, you know, it's it's very much set in mainland China mm-hmm. with all of that, all of what that entails. And yet, this family loves each other, even in their flaws, and they make beautifully evident the grace of God at work mm. in genuine human experiences. You know, that we are really created in the image and likeness of God, and when we love one another, that is where the grace of God is most strongly radiating in, into the world. So it's not sensationalized entertainment, but I think it's far the richer for it. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're looking for something that you want that's deeply moving, this is definitely a film to watch. It is a bit intense, so I'm not going to recommend it to younger children or mm-hmm. even maybe young teens. It it really takes a thoughtful viewer, and of course, there's also subtitles for all the Chinese, the Mandarin. Right. I, I don't know; it's Chinese dialogue. I don't know yes. if it's Mandarin or Cantonese. Um, so yeah. yes, so it's a it's a really great film and and well worth seeing. And just okay. a hint: um, make sure you watch to the end, not just for <sighs> the great music during the credits. Okay, good. That's I always watch the end of the credits. Um, okay, so it's the farewell. Um, I had heard about that film, Sister, so I'm glad that you brought it up because I had forgotten about it. I heard an interview with the writer-director, Lulu, Lulu Chan? Lulu? Oh, Lulu Wang. Lulu yeah. Wang, yes. So it's it sounds like a great story. It sounds like the kind of story that I that I like, and it sounds like it's really well written. Um, so on our to-do list there to go watch the film. I hope you enjoy it as and, much as I did. And maybe that'll become my new uh, favorite on-screen family. <laughs> there you go. Sister, I forgot to say I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Oh. I guess the f- the Thanksgiving festivities continue over the weekend, right? They do, they do, and then it kind of leads into into Advent. I know it's a yes, late Thanksgiving Advent this year, and preparations for Christmas. Yes, so, so have a happy Advent, and we will talk to you just before Christmas. Okay, wonderful. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and also follow her at Sister M Paul. Coming up is Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Father Rob Gallia, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can reach me through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro and uh, send me nice messages. Now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has a question about the rosary. Yes, I think a lot of people have this question as well. When I was very, very young, mm-hmm. I'm still young, but you know, I, when I was very young, younger, I really hate doing rosary. Yeah, I don't like too, doing it; too. it's too long. Yeah, um, yeah um, me too. Yeah, but you know, now actually now, uh-huh. actually you know, beginning these two years, I love it. Good. I start loving it. Good. Um, it just sounds like when I do it, I do not need to think anything. So, like, what changed? Did, did you understand no it differently, or I have no idea. I just, you know, I, when I say it, I'm just my my brain just blank. 
uh-huh. and just let okay. God comes to my Interesting. my Good. my body. So my question is this: um, Who come up with the rosary? You know, yeah. who act? There. It sounds like there is a system. Like you know, you need to do ten times uh, uh, Hail Mary. Uh, yeah. Time, you know, things okay. Like so that. first of all, I think that the tradition of praying with beads yeah. is something that dates. And it's not just specific to the Christian tradition. Yes, like Buddhism. It, you can find it in that, other traditions. Yes. So I think that the early church fathers, like the desert fathers in early, early Christianity, uh-huh. probably prayed with beads. And I think that there was also a tradition to praying even just the Lord's Prayer with beads. Mm-hmm. Um, now the tradition, and I don't know if this is, uh, nobody knows for sure, and uh-huh. there's different stories, but I think the most common uh, explanation is that uh, that Mary appeared to St. Dominic. Mm. Um, in twelve fourteen, and uh, presented him with the rosary, and taught him how to pray it. So, so Mary had to tradition. come up with a real yes rosary. Now I would think that it was probably a combination that probably people were already the Hail Mary again. Even the Hail Mary wasn't prayed the way we pray it right now. Correct like that formula yes. of the Hail Mary. I think was not finalized until the fifteen hundreds. Um, as it is right now, but there might have been, but the angelic salutation that that hail Mary, full of grace, which is the, the words of the angel Gabriel, uh-huh. that would have been part of it. Now, the the story that I have heard is that uh, monks, uh, brothers, and you know, they would pray the Psalms. Yes. And there's 150 Psalms. Correct. But in those days, people couldn't read. So if people didn't have access, they couldn't read and they didn't have access to the books, they couldn't pray the Psalms, but they could do 150 Hail Marys. Because it's easier. Because it's easier, exactly. They don't have to read. They could just, so they could somehow join in that prayer of the church um, without reading the Psalms. I see. So, so I I would suspect that that was already happening. So basically. So this story of St. Dominic, I mean, it might be true. But I think that it was all the, the the praying with the beads and the 150 prayers that all was already kind of evolving as it do you mean at the same time do you mean is actually the tradition to do 150 psalms I mean the food the whole book of psalms every day no not every day okay but if okay. you look at the four week psalter yeah so the 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 morning prayer evening prayer like you know the seven hours yeah, of prayer yeah, yeah. if you do the whole thing the whole four weeks with the office of readings and everything it's all the psalms. Yeah, oh. so so we do that now. Okay. But I wanted to share with you a, a little story because yeah, I, yeah. I think that this will help. So so the and this is true story. So Saint Dominic, because there was a heresy at the time uh, where people believed that the the spirit and the body were separate. Mm-hmm. So the spirit is good and the body was bad. And Saint Dominic would go around preaching, saying how that was wrong, mm-hmm. but he was not getting a lot of success. People were not converting. They were Mm -hmm. not believing him. There were a lot lot of people believing this heresy. And then it says, the story goes that one day he was complaining about this in prayer to Mary. And Mary said to him, and this is what I think is so beautiful. This changed my view of the rosary forever. Mary said, wonder not that you have obtained so little fruit by your labors. You have spent them on barren soil, not yet watered with the dew of divine grace. When God willed to renew the face of the earth, he began by sending down on it the fertilizing rain of the angelic salutation. Therefore, preach my Psalter, composed of 150 angelic salutations and 15 Our Fathers, and you will obtain an abundant harvest. And I love that because when God wanted to renew the face of the earth with with the coming of Jesus, 
he begins by sending down his fertilizing rain, his divine grace, through the words of the angel. Uh-huh. Hail Mary, full of grace. So that's so, so saying. Wow. So if we want to fertilize yeah. the soil with the divine grace before we ask for anything, we and do it with the, the words of the angelic salutation, which is the Hail Mary. Wow. And and then oh, when okay. Dominic started doing this, then everything changed. So I, that for me changed though. My you you whole have to post rosary. this on Facebook. I did. Everywhere. I actually wrote a blog. I, I'll share it with you, and we can yes. we can share it on Facebook, or Twitter, Instagram, maybe. But I also wrote a blog, a whole series on uh, deconstructing Mary, and part three is about the rosary. I think and everyone I should actually story. go on the blog and search for deconstructing. Yeah, maybe we can yeah. share it also on the link there. So saltandlighttv.org/blog. Look for deconstructing Mary, the rosary. Exactly. There you Thank go. You. Good question, Thank Billy. Thank you. All right. Billy Chan, our webmaster here at saltandlighttv.org. You can follow him at Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, Restoring Trust After Pornography and a featured chat with John Michael Talbot. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Five years ago, we spoke with Dr. Peter Kloponis, who explained why pornography is an epidemic. 40 million adults in the United States regularly visit pornographic websites. 47% of Christians claim that pornography is a major problem in their home. Many Catholic priests say that very often they hear about pornography addiction in confession. Also, pornography plays a significant role in 56% of divorces. Dr. Kloponis's first book was called Integrity Restored. He is also the creator of the Integrity Starts Here recovery program and a founder member of IntegrityRestored.com. His latest book is Restoring Trust, A Couple's Guide to Getting Past Porn. And it shows that past mistakes and hurts, no matter how deep, do not have to rule your future. With the right tools and relying on God's grace, you can restore trust in your relationship and achieve lasting freedom. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Dr. Peter Kloponis. Doctor, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, welcome back, I should say. Um, how common is pornography in marriages? Oh, it is It is so common. You know, mo- most people today, young people are, are, you know, have been using porn well before they even got married, and they bring it into the marriage. And um, what would you say pornography does, what would you say pornography does to the marriage? Well, you know, it, it really does a lot of harm to the marriage. First of all, it, it, it harms marital intimacy. Yeah. Uh, you know, now whenever you hear the word intimacy today in the media, people usually think of sex. Yeah. Well, intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is that emotional connection between two people where you know each other thoroughly, backward, forward, inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, someone wants to find intimacy as into me, see. Right? Yes. You want to have this deep, strong intimacy in a marriage. You cannot have that intimacy if someone is hiding a deep, dark secret or if someone is doing something that has really hurt and betrayed their, their spouse. Right. You're not going to have that. So, so from just, just the very start of, of using pornography, it's going to harm the marital intimacy. Right. Um, we also know that, I mean, according to the Church, it is a form of adultery. Right, of course. Right? And... and 
you know, a lot of men don't realize this. They think, oh, this is just images on the computer screen. No, these are other people. Yeah, which is why and a lot. Also, yeah, sorry, I was going to say a lot of wives will feel that they've been betrayed. I mean, exactly. it, it, it destroys trust in the marriage. Exactly. It destroys that trust. You know, to women, these aren't just images. These are other women. Right. And it really hurts and makes them, you know, feel hurt and betrayed, you know. And, of course, excessive pornography use can lead to adultery with an actual person. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. leads very exactly. vulnerable to that, you know. And, of course, you know, wives are particularly hurt by this. Um, we have a name for it. It's called betrayal trauma. Okay. Uh, they they feel so hurt and betrayed and wounded by this. Oftentimes, the symptoms are actually similar to post traumatic stress disorder. Huh. Interesting. So the wounding is extremely deep. Yeah. Coming from pornography. Now, maybe I don't know if it it's worse now, but is it more and more common that women are also struggling with pornography? Much more common. We know today that over a third of all visitors to internet pornography websites are women. Hmm. You know, so this, uh, this kind of you know equal opportunity addiction here it, it's become where a lot of women you know because they see men using it they think well why should why women should be I? able to use porn yeah and is and so they're they're getting addicted to it too and is it common or more common that couples are maybe consuming pornography together? There are you know there are couples that actually will view it together. Uh, you know, not realizing that that the of the devastating effects this is having on the marriage. So if they're consu- if let's say if they're viewing it together, the the betrayal issue is not there. Would those feelings still be there? Just that the woman maybe or the or maybe I don't know the man maybe also goes through those feelings that they're not good enough that they have to. You know, what sorts of effects would it have on the marriage if they're viewing it together? All right. Exactly. And first of all, this is going to have an impact on the type of sex that they have because the sex in pornography is very rough and in many times violent. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is what happens. The man thinks, well, this is what sex should be like and and my wife should like it, even though it is very dangerous and and can be very painful for the woman. Mm -hmm. And the woman is left thinking, well, if this is what sex is, I I have to learn how to like this and enjoy it when most of the time they don't enjoy that. Um, another thing is that, you know, uh, as the woman gets older, it's going to be more painful because naturally her body is going to be changing, mm-hmm. especially if she has children and so forth. And of course, the women in pornography are always young and always have the perfect body. Right. So as they get older, you know, there was a study done that found about 39% of young women saw nothing wrong with their boyfriends or husbands doing pornography. And they wonder, why is this? Well, first of all, they are viewing it, too. Right. But second of all, it was a matter of competition. Mm. These young women saw these young porn stars and thought, well, I can compete with that. I have nothing to worry about. Right. right? Well, now, wait all these young women are in their 40s, and the women in porn are still in their 20s. That's where mm-hmm. they're really going to feel the pain of, of being compared and feeling rejected right. by their husbands. Now, the, the way you've structured the book, the, there's a lot of stories and I and I mm-hmm. and I understand why you would have shared stories um, but I'm intrigued by the way by the reflections that you've shared um, or you're inviting people to enter into certain reflections or make certain reflections why did you choose to structure it that way well you know first of all the stories I wanted to put things in there that people could relate to mm-hmm. 
and I've gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback. You know, the, the stories that I put in there, some of them are actual stories where I have changed the names. Others mm-hmm. are amalgamations of, of different couples that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. So, and then the reflections in there, are you talking about the, the questions? The questions, sorry, yeah, the, the questions, questions for reflection. There, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I want people to really to stop and think about this. Uh, you know, naturally, if someone is reading this book, it's probably because pornography has affected their life and their marriage in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want them to really think about this, how it's affecting their marriage. But also, I wanted to leave them with a sense of hope that, you know, even in the worst situation, a marriage can be healed and restored. It will take time, and it will take effort and, and a daily commitment to it. But I believe that God wants to heal and restore all marriages that are hurt this way. Is is pornography the kind of thing that, no matter who, what level of involvement uh, there is, that it requires some personal healing as well as a couple's healing, or is this something that couples need to do as a couple only? Does it, uh, does it matter, or are there does it depend on the circumstance? Well, well, it depends on both. For, for each spouse, there is individual healing that needs to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, for the spouse that is addicted to pornography, there's a lot of deep healing because the roots of pornography addiction often go back to childhood and are based on some deep emotional wounds. Right. Um, you know, oftentimes they're not even aware they have these wounds, but mm-hmm. they're there. Mm-hmm. And what happens with most people is they're they're introduced to pornography, usually in late childhood or early adolescence, and, uh, you know, there's this little voice deep down inside that says, hey, this is a great escape. Mm-hmm. It makes us forget all of our problems. Let's keep going back to this. Right. So from now on, any time we're sad or scared or bored or lonely or angry or frustrated, we're going to go back to this because this is the express train to pleasure. Yeah, like any now, addiction, are, are, yeah. Yeah. Are they aware they doing it? No. All they know is they like to look at porn. But this is, a, this is where we get the term self-medicating. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of deep personal uh, healing that needs to happen for them in their personal recovery program mm-hmm. for this. For the offended spouse who is dealing with that betrayal trauma, there's a lot of individual healing that they need to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, They need to be able to sit down with the therapist who's going to understand what they're going through, who's going to validate their feelings, who's going to be able to listen to them, to walk with them through this painful period and really, you know, bring them to a place of, of deep personal healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has to happen even before we can start into, you know, the working, marital healing. Working with the couple together. Um, exactly. And of course, I don't want to uh, imply that because a huge part of what you're uh, offering here as part of the recovery has to do with God's grace and how God plays a role in all this. How How important is it to recognize that the problem is also a spiritual problem okay well you have to realize that you know you know one of the ways that satan tries to attack our society yeah. is by attacking good marriages mm-hmm. satan does not want to have good marriages you know and even the blessed mother said you know the downfall of men would be sins of the flesh yes so there is a spiritual battle here that's going on and one of the ways that satan really attacks marriages is, is not only with the pornography addiction, but also with the shame that people feel because of it. Hmm. The addicted person feels a lot of shame because he's become an addict. The spouse feels a lot of shame because she's in a marriage with a, a man who's addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, who can she talk to about this? She, mm-hmm. She's just so ashamed and mortified by it. 
So these are some of the ways that, that Satan really attacks us. So we have to realize, okay, there is a spiritual battle here, but, you know, God provides us his love and his grace and his healing Yeah. with all this, and, and God has to be a part of the healing process. Right. So there's, there's this book, Restoring Trust. There are other books, yours and of other people, but do you, would you recommend that if anybody is struggling, anybody listening to this program right now, they might be feeling that they need help, the book is not enough, they need to seek help? Well, yeah, the, 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 the book is not the answer. The book is just provides a roadmap for the healing process. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I recommend for anybody who has been hurt because of pornography, whether the person is addicted or the person is a spouse, that they seek out professional help. Right. Because right? you really need someone who understands this addiction, understands the effects of it, who can help design a healing and recovery program that's that's going to work for them. Yeah, and for most people, they, they should be able to find that wherever they live. They can talk to their priest or their deacon or or their Catholic family services or, or any like that, and they can definitely go to your website, integritystored.com, um, to find out more or where they can mm-hmm. find help. Peter, um, th- that's all the time we have right now, but uh, thank you for doing the work that you do. I know it's not easy work, but I, but it's very important work. And I know that when, when we, if I can say use, if I can use the word success, when we, when we find success, it's certainly, uh, um, very fulfilling, not just for us that are helping the couples, but for the couples. So thank you for, for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Dr. Peter Kleponis is a clinical therapist. He has over 18 years of professional experience working with individuals, couples, families, and organizations. He's also a popular speaker and conference director. If you want to find out more about his work, bring him to your parish or to your group. Go to his personal website, peterkleponis.com. That's Kleponis with a K, but I'm going to add that to our site so you can find it easily. Um, His latest book, Restoring Trust, A Couple's Guide to Getting Past Porn, is published by our Sunday visitor, and you can learn more also at that website, integritystored.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, John Michael Talbot, with the title track of his album, The Inner Room. Chamber, the inner room, 
That was John Michael Talbot with the title track of his album, The Inner Room. John Michael Talbot is probably the most well-known Catholic artist in the world, with over 4 million albums sold worldwide. In 1980, John Michael Talbot founded the Brothers and Sisters of Charity, a Catholic-based community of celibate brothers and celibate sisters, singles who can marry, and families. From his hermitage in Arkansas, he runs the Inner Room School of Spirituality, an online teaching community designed to lead you into a deeper relationship with Christ and his church through the wisdom of scripture, monasticism, community living, and the teachings of the church fathers. And to tell us more, I am so happy to say that I'm joined by John Michael Talbot. John, so good to have you back on the program. Oh, it's great to be with you. I always I always love you, Pedro, and and I love salt and light, and I, I love the folks up in Canada. They've always been so good to me. I know, so and you great, haven't great you haven't, to be with you. Haven't been up here in a long time. So uh, any any, I'm, I was happy to hear about this new 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 endeavor. Can I call it that? This new sure, initiative. Sure. Um, so, but before that, I, are you no longer doing music? Because I remember you telling me like it was like the end of the music. Well, no, I, I what I I'm on a sabbatical. Okay, that's good. And that's I'm honestly just in deep prayer. I I feel that both the state of our culture in the United States, I really can't speak authoritatively for Canada as, mm-hmm. as well as I can for the US. But in the US, we're so polarized and people yes, are so angry. I know. And the same thing is true in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the neo-trads on one side and then you have the really, really radical progressives on the other. Yeah. And I think most people are just in the middle. They just want to love God and love That's Jesus. True. And, That's true. And get on with it. But, um, you know, I, I, I really, uh, Pedro, I really feel this, that going out and going from parish to parish, I was doing as many as 150 a year. Right. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's going to change anything. So God mm. really began... First of all, I started getting sick uh-huh. and ending up in hospitals every time I go on the road. Yeah, that's not good. <clears throat> and it was like the Lord was saying, "Okay, John, you've done it before. Let's do it again. Let's go back to the Hermitage and really pray yes. for repentance in your own soul." <clears throat> and I had a couple of near-death experiences, and I came back from those, Pedro, overwhelmed by my sin and overwhelmed by God's mercy. Wow! All at once. And I I wept a lot. I would just weep. And and so the Lord is saying, go to the inner room and weep, repent, you know, get right with me totally. Mm-hmm. You know, here I am. I've supposedly been in ministry all these years, but get right. Be ready to die at any minute. Huh. And pray if you can, if you can, we change the culture by allowing Jesus to change us. 
So is that that experience what led you to this whole yeah. inner room school? Well, what happened was I I went on a Holy Land trip and I'm <clears throat> I was with some it was rather an arch conservative trip actually, <laughs> but I met some people I really liked and some of them had these online academies. Yeah. And they said, well, if you're going to do a sabbatical, you might want to consider that. So I did. Interesting. And we did a lot of research, and I have so much material. Right. So the Inner Room School of Spirituality is a subscription school, but what you get for it is a 20 to 30-minute video once a week, mm -hmm. a television-quality mm -hmm. video, great overlays, great graphics. Uh, it's really well done. Mm -hmm. and, and it's more like me just sitting in my hermitage talking with you or whoever is participating right. less like standing up and preaching or giving a talk right. it's, it's really really kind of casual <clears throat> and then uh, there are some a great online interactive community mm -hmm. that's moderated by one of my community members in the domestic community who's a professor at Southern Illinois University mm -hmm. in linguistics and language and he, he used to be a Lutheran minister, so mm -hmm. he's really, really well-equipped for moderating. And then I'm on there as well. Right. So <clears throat> it's, it's, and you get a big PDF outline of each course that we do, of each class. Okay. That's really in-depth. It goes through Scripture, it goes through patristics, and it goes through the saints. Right. So, people, so it's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, so people can, they just register, there's a set fee per <clears throat> course, or is there's a whole uh, like semester Right now kind of it's thing? done annually, Okay. and until we build up a good core of people, uh, we're going to keep it as an annual subscription. There's a founder's level that's available until December 1st, that's a little bit of a discount. Uh, it's 420 a year U.S., okay. and uh, then I think it's forty dollars a month, which comes out to be about four hundred and eighty dollars a year. US. Right, and is it the kind of thing that uh, people can do in their own pace? They can just their I can own log pace. in. It drips, it, Pedro, it drips out once a week. Okay, and then you can go back and you you, so I can you watch have a them library, as many times you have a catalog. You can go back and view them as often as you want. Right, you can you can go on the interactive community and talk to people about you know how this applies to your life. So the first thing we're doing is we're going through Francis of Assisi's Sermon on the Mount. It's okay. my book Beautiful. on the admonitions of St. Francis. Yeah. It's a 28-week course. And then I did another 15 weeks on favorite songs of mine. I tell stories oh, where nice. they came from, how's it, how does it apply to my life. Mm -hmm. Again, Scripture, Patristics, and Saints, and then Applications to Daily Life. And then we're going to go from there into a book that's coming out uh, ecumenically, uh, with Harper Collins in May, mm -hmm. and it's called uh, Exploring the Gifts of the Spirit. So I go through the Pauline gifts of the Spirit, how those work, the history, again, Scripture, patristics, and there's a lot of rich patristics on all of them. I can imagine. Uh, and then application, not only in the church, but in our personal life right. today. Are all the videos, sorry, are all the videos the same length kind of thing? Like it's they're Yeah, they're all about 25 minutes, 20 to, tw you know, 25 minutes. There's There's a limit with this hosting company as to how much right. data you, you can upload on. into a video. So they turn out to be about 22 to 25 minutes. So for example, if you're doing, let's say, the, the, the session on, on your songs, would that be one video or several videos on that particular topic? Uh, 
No, that's 15. So I took oh, 15 wow. of my favorite songs. So it's 15 videos. <clears throat> yeah, and Wonderful. I think one of them I did in two sessions. Okay. So it yeah. really goes into depth. What's behind okay. it? So yeah. I mean, there are neat stories, I mean, about how I wrote Holy is His Name, you mm-hmm. know, that, that I wasn't in a hermitage or in a prayerful place. I was no. sitting at a breakfast table at, with a Catholic family in Los Angeles at Loyola Marymount, mm-hmm. and they had seven kids at a picnic table, and the mom was throwing pancakes out to these kids like Frisbees. And they were squealing with joy, and there was butter and syrup everywhere. It was a typical family experience. And for some reason, bang, holy is his name, came to me right there. That's wonderful. And I went went back to my room, and I wrote it. Yeah. So I have little stories like that 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 go with the songs that people really like that I've written. And how how really the extraordinary stuff comes through the ordinary things of life. Wonderful. The extraordinary is tested in the ordinary Wonderful. things of life. So if people are interested in, in deepening their spirituality or deepening their yep. faith, this is the kind of thing that you would encourage anyone, oh, yeah. Catholic yeah. or non-Catholic, to participate in. Uh, Catholic and non-Catholic. We have a lot of Catholics, obviously, signed up. Mm-hmm. But we also have uh, Protestant ministers, uh, serious right non-Catholics, we even, yes. I think we even have one or two kind of seekers who are interested in Jesus, but they don't know what yeah. it's all about. So it's yeah. a very broad throw as to who's participating, but they're all quality people. And again, we have a moderator that's going to keep that on course to keep people from <clears throat> getting into arguments or fights or going off on tangents. Um, yeah. John, that's all the time we have, but I'm very okay. intrigued about this, uh, and I hope our listeners are as well. Um, if they want to deepen their spirituality, it's easy. Just go to the website. I'll give the website in a, in a few moments um, so that they can uh, deepen their spirituality in the inner room with John Michael Talbot. Uh, it's so good to talk to you, John. Oh, it's great to talk to you, Pedro. I have such great memories of us. I know, I know. I need to come around to, Toronto together. I need to come down to Arkansas and, and just hang out with you guys for at least a weekend. Oh, you're most <laughs> I'd welcome. I'd love to do that. Most welcome. And we have a guest house that yes, we do I know. our retreats here at the monastery. So anybody who wants to come down, come I know. down. I know. There you go. Thank you very much, John. God bless. Keep uh, doing what you're doing. It's good to talk to you. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. You can learn more about John Michael Talbot at his website, johnmichaeltalbot.com. But to learn about the Inner Room School of Spirituality, go to inner-room-school.org. I'm going to put that site on our on our website so you can find it easily. Um, and to listen to this interview again or to listen to the rest of the program, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is John Michael Talbot with In Remembrance of Me from his album, Worship and Bow Down. In remembrance of me This is my body In remembrance of me This is my blood Whoever eats of this bread And drinks this cup of salvation Shall not die but shall live Shall live forever For his flesh is real food 
We're listening to John Michael Talbot with In Remembrance of Me from his album Worship and Bow Down. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can learn all about our featured artists and guests. And remember that you can subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and also on Google Play. If you want to reach me, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. You can write to me and tell me what you think of the show. Next week, we're going to reconnect with Nancy Bodsworth, who has a new Christmas album, so you don't want to miss that show. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. my body In remembrance of me This is my blood Whoever eats of this bread And drinks this cup of salvation Shall not die but shall live Shall live forever Come humbly bow and adore for the mystery of mysteries Under creation's form Yet the creator of all Within flesh yet not enclosed Incarnate and transcendent Consumed by all yet not destroyed by all.